Welcome to the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. In this edition, we speak with Alan Rankins and Brett Barton from Goal Group about their Defence Ready seminar series. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm joined by Ewan Levick, Group Editor for ADM. G'day, Ewan. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Grant. That's great. Well, mate, this uh, episode, we also have a couple of guests with us. They're both from Goal Group, and we have Alan Rankins, Executive Director, and Brett Barton, CEO. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Ewan. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Ewan. Well, to get the episode started, let's give a brief background about careers to date and what Goal Group is, how it came to be formed and all that. So, Alan, can we start with yourself? Certainly, Grant, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. As you said, I'm the Executive Director of the Goal Group. I'm a past CEO of Goal Group and a past president of the Australian Industry and Defence Network, Aiden, with over 10 years Aiden executive experience, and I'm also still retaining Aiden roles. My experience in the defence area commenced from 21 years in the Royal Australian Navy and now 28 years of Naval Reserve Service and defence industry experience as a project and program manager in complex projects. I've assisted major defence companies achieve bid success. My specific area of expertise is strategic direction, project development, bid preparation and program management. I'm a fellow of the Institute of Management and Leaders and a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors with a couple of other post-nominals. I've been a board member of the New South Wales Defence Advisory Board, the Aiden representative on the AIG Defence Council, the Defence Capability Advisory Group, and remain its representative on the AIG Security Working Group. I've also been a co-chair of the Synthetic Environment Working Group and a sponsor member of the Society for Policing Cyberspace. I believe I'm considered an Australian Industry Capability Specialist. I have held roles as a design authority, software manager for the submarine project, ILS manager, configuration manager, and I bleed red, white, and blue, and shipside grey. <laughs> in 2006, my wife, brother, and sister-in-law started the Goal Group, facilitating whole-of-government mentoring, coaching, and training. We had considerable success. We grew Goal as a training company and Goal Group as an SME collaborative model. That collaboration commercial model with SMEs was often tried in those days and rarely successful. After 15 years, we believe we are very successful and Australia's largest collaborative commercial SME group. In 2012, Cheryl and I took full ownership of the Gold Group and refocused towards a veteran-owned and led family-based. I also have a son and daughter in the business now and have just started a niece as an intern, defence consulting and training. In January this year, Cheryl and I made a great decision and appointed Brett as a partner and CEO of our group and consider this a pivotal moment in our next phase. We've got an aggressive growth plan, including our Defence Ready scheme. Now that I've made the segue, over to you, Brett. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Grant. It's, it's hard to follow that CV, but I would like to say I'm still a little bit younger and I have some time. Uh, I am the CEO of the Goal Group, and it's a, it's a terrific leadership role. It's a role I've held since January this year. Prior to Goal, I was part of the Nova Systems executive team, where I helped grow Nova Systems from a small business of about 20 professionals when I started in 2004 to over 700 uh, when I recently left. My accent's a bit of a giveaway. I'm an import from Canada, and I've happily traded in my snow skis and my ice skates you know, for the beach and my golf clubs. 
and uh, couldn't, <laughs> my, my family and I couldn't be happier. I had a wonderful career in the Canadian Air Force uh, working in flight testing, which is really how I ended up in Australia. My aeronautical engineering and uh, flight test experience was gained predominantly on fast jets and weapons integration programs. My final role was on exchange with the United States Air Force, working on F-16s, weapons integration, and international development flight test programs. And that was a really wonderful uh, series of experiences. Over the past three decades, I've worked with Defense Forces, really globally, and Defense Primes, helping build an SME defense business into a successful subprime. And then worked in non-defense markets as well, uh, which was my, my last role inside Nova around oil and gas and mining and transport. And also trying to build into uh, Asia and through Singapore. So uh, in addition to that, I like to volunteer some of my time with defense industry associations like Hunter Defense and Hunter Net uh, and Aiden. And also a little bit outside the defense community, but more on the engineering side. So I'm a couple of divisional committees uh, and what have you with Engineers Australia as well. So if I was to focus back on the goal group, you know, Alan's built a terrific defense professional services business. And when he approached me, he was looking for someone, you know, to work with him who shared his strong belief in goal's potential, but also wanted to lead goal through the next phase of its growth. My experiences, you know, good and bad, have taught me a lot about myself, leadership, decision-making, and more importantly, the defense market, what it really takes to build a successful defense business. And as it turned out, you know, we seem to, seem to be a pretty good team, and we're kicking some goals, and the business is thriving. Could you guys give me, just quickly, the mission statement for Goal Group? But what's, what's the elevator pitch? Well, the, I'll start with that. We've uh, got two pitches in effect. Firstly, there's Goal, which is to be the leader of the Goal Group and to be a professional services uh, consulting company as part of the group. But I guess our best pitch, if you like, is that we have formed what we believe is Australia's largest successful collaborative SME model. We actually take advantage of the synergies of a, a large group of SMEs to be able to offer services and training and mentoring and coaching across virtually all of the project support skill sets. So that's what, why we believe that we can uh, offer services that compete with some of the larger consulting services organisations and we can add value to um, companies large and small and directly to defence. I'd like to add a little bit to that question, Ewan. And because I'm reasonably new into the goal group, I guess I come with a little bit of a, a fresh perspective and I've spent the last six months reviewing you know, what the goal group has, what it's trying to accomplish and where we're going to go in the next five years, more importantly. One of the big lessons for businesses inside defense is the clients and potential partners need to know what you offer the market. There needs to be clarity. And so we spent uh, quite a bit of time focusing down our offerings to very specifically a couple of areas around ILS and asset management, uh, export control and ITAR support, project management and project delivery, governance around ISO standards. And then we have training that wraps around all of that. So very clear offerings. And our sector is defense. So we have a couple of elements that, that really work around the pitch line. Uh, one is, is veteran-owned, veteran-led, and we hire veterans. And that means a lot to defense. It means a lot to us. And it reflects a level of, of loyalty and give back and where we're from and what's important to us. That is our market. Uh, we also have another 
saying that I uh, that Alan and I came up with, which was uh, many minds, one goal. It's a little bit of play on the partner relationship that we have, the employee relationship that we have, and clearly the branding that we're carrying forward. But it really is around a collaborative and complementary network of capability delivering services to defense. Now, there was something that uh, Alan sort of touched and hinted on very briefly in uh, your bio review there, mate, and that was the uh, a reference to the Defence Ready Seminars, which is one of the reasons why we've brought you onto the show to have a chat. You're producing a series of seminars to help people out there get used to and ready for dealing with defence. So can you give us a background on these seminars and, and what was the inspiration for creating them? The inspiration came from my experiences before 2016 in the lack of support for Australian SMEs in defence and the subsequent real challenges to get SMEs to be defence ready with what my contacts through Aiden were saying had not gained traction. I even had experienced offering what I believed was world-class upskilling in a discipline to defence only for them to choose a US supplier at more than three times the price. Post-2016 and the White Paper and the AIC program implemented by the federal government, there became an opportunity to really give businesses to Australia's defence SMEs, but there was the rub. They weren't ready after many, many decades of not being given business. So I decided to create our trademark defence-ready framework. Using the considerable experience and inputs from our group, I developed this framework to roadmap what was needed for a defence SME to achieve true defence readiness. And from that roadmap came our trademarked Defence Ready Level Zero seminar series. This series has grown from the efforts of the Gold Group senior facilitators, and perhaps now I'll look and leave Brett to better describe the series. Look, Alan's observations of the need, they're, they're right on the mark. I chaired a defence committee for HunterNet for many years, and there was a steady hunger from SME businesses looking for assistance, gaining traction into that defence sector they really wanted to be a part of. You know, the Defence Ready series is comprised of 13 really topic serials delivered through podcasts, webinars, and e-learning over a six-month duration. Look, it's intense, and it's focused at businesses who are currently operating. You know, so they're trying to manage a business and upskill at the same time. But they're really looking for help positioning their business into a defence sector that they really don't know much about. So this is not an academic course delivering MBA theory. It's been developed and delivered by business leaders. Uh, So SMEs are going to leave able to actually progress into the sector uh, with the right knowledge to make informed investment decisions as they refine their strategies. So out of the 13 topic groups, I'll just step through them. Uh, The first one is introduction to the defense market. You know, there's a lot of acronyms in defense. And this one is really important. You know, I've gotten something just listening to it myself, and I've been in the market for a long time. Um, it's big and complex, but Alan takes uh, everyone on a really great descriptive journey uh, into the Australian defence market and works you through the structures and the key players and all of the opportunity that is there for you. Terrific introduction. And then that's followed up with defense business development. And I'm involved with instructing on that one with Jackie Daly, who's a professional marketer. And it's around understanding who the clients are in the defense sector, but what they really expect and value, how to pitch your value propositions, marketing your business in a digital world, 
how to network effectively in the de- defense sector, you know, how to manage trade shows, how to build relationships in those networks, where to get assistance when you're an SME and you're trying to break in a brand new sector. So that's been really popular and, and been an enjoyment to, uh, to put together. Defense tendering, clearly, <laughs> that's quite critical and unique uh, inside government and defense. But defense tendering to primes or government as an SME, there's many routes to get into contract and respond to tenders. So you need to have these specific skills. Then we have a couple of topical seminars on or or areas around ISO standards. And that's really important. And there's basic and advanced seminars uh, where it's taught by one of the world sort of gurus that we happen to have here in Australia and part of the goal group, Mike McLean. And it gives the insights into what defense, defense primes, find important and why and what they expect. Uh, you, aren't, you know, if you aren't supporting a prime on a defense program in Australia or globally, uh, you're not doing that if you're not using best practice. And, if you, and you really need to be independently certified as well. So that's quite critical. You got to remember that every one of the primes is protecting their brand And that means knowing that anyone who's part of their supply chain is going to produce at uh, at the quality levels that's expected for defense. And and that's quite critical. Collaboration in defense. Collaboration is really important, especially when you're an SME. Uh, You know, the Gold Group's a great example of collaboration at work. SMEs will rarely be able to do it all on their own. They learn to play nicely with others and and gain scale advantage through collaboration is a really terrific strategy for success, especially in defense. Defense security and defense industrial uh, security program or the DISP, you know, when it comes to defense, security goes hand in hand. It's a fabulous program uh, run by very helpful people in defense. That's DISP. And we walk you all the way through that. It can be quite complex understanding, you know, how do I move a business that's worked in, let's say, mining or oil and gas. And now I'm, I'm in this world of defense security. And how do I get pro- appropriately accredited so that I can be part of these global supply chains in many ways? Defense export control and ITAR, it's a huge risk to businesses uh, if there's violations in these areas. And it's complex. This is like legislation that's not familiar to People often in defense, and if you're not in defense, uh, even more so. So understanding those rules, uh, how to work within those rules, how to leverage off agreements that are already there. We walk you through that. We also can provide you support if you're an SME. Defense cybersecurity, we've got some really great people instructing on this who provide products and services, and they'll walk you whole through the the cyber maze of of building a, a nice, resilient business. Defense-relevant data security, that's, it's kind of an extension of the cyber side, but it has more to do with what the trip-up points are in defense. There's a lot of information, especially design-level information, that can be passed amongst supply chains and the primes. And understanding who is handling getting access to that information is really quite critical. Breaches in this area can put brands in significant jeopardy. We've seen cases of it before. This really walks the SMEs through a pathway of how do you present yourself to a prime in a way that you're not seen as a risk in this area and you've got the right systems in place to protect your business and thus protecting a supply chain. Defense legal considerations. We've got a lawyer, professional lawyer teaching on this who has specialties in defense you know, SMEs are often deterred from joining defense opportunities due to confusion around, you know, um, 
defense legal requirements, just going through defense contracts and the ASDEFCON process alone can be quite imposing. Uh, and understanding what the impact is on them and their business and how they manage their risks through that process. So we cover all that ground for you. Uh, defense industry, business continuity, you know, nothing more relevant than today in the middle of COVID and keeping businesses running. And, you know, we've got a professional who in business continuity who instructs globally, helping Australian businesses specifically around this area. And that's really important. You know, if you join a prime supply chain, one of the things they want to know is that you're going to be there and there's no greater potential disruption to logistics than, you know, uh, a situation of wartime sort of impact and knowing that you can hold your business together through that and produce the way you're supposed to be producing as part of a critical supply chain is really important. And finally, we get into the area of workforce resilience And that's really around making sure that the teams that you assemble as part of your SME business, which are then part of a supply chain, are supported and are able to work well uh, together and work under the pressures that we expect these businesses to operate if you're supporting defense. And a lot of these businesses hire veterans and there's challenges when you work in that space and, and you've been through certain experiences And so we specifically have added this course, a very popular course as well, around workforce resilience. I will add that the two seminars, uh, Industry Workforce Resilience and Business Continuity, were added specifically to deal with the significant additional pressures of the COVID-19 pandemic, thanks to the New South Wales Government and Minister Ayres. But we now realise the essential nature of these two bedrock topics to an SME on their journey, particularly in defence, and they have formed a full part of the series. Something you mentioned just in there was the the export challenge that SMEs face when they're joining the defence industry. I just want to unpack that a little bit. In your view, what are the main challenges for an SME uh, that's entering defence and it does want to start exporting to bigger markets like the United States? The first challenge uh, when you're trying to export is, of course, uh, competition in the USA from US companies or in another country from that country's companies. They will all have a, similarly a buy US policy or a buy UK policy, and we've, we're actually developing a buy Australian policy. So one of the biggest challenges is, of course, that prior to 2016, as I mentioned before, our Defence Department preferred to buy overseas. And primarily the best approach is to ensure success globally is that you have a unique selling proposition or USP if you're going in the global supply chain. So that's the next challenge for our SMEs to join the global supply chain is to understand their unique selling proposition very, very well. And Brett described the business development um, and the collaboration uh, seminars where we try to give all the SMEs a very good understanding of how to develop that understanding of their own unique selling proposition. Our SMEs need to have something a US company or UK company doesn't have or doesn't have that much of or it is not as good. Utilising our entrepreneurship and innovation will underpin success. So our seminar series does cover uh, how we can gain access to one of the biggest assistance programs Australia's ever offered and it's to defence SMEs in grants and programs for innovation, uh, sovereign industry capability, etc., even business advisory. 
So there's a lot of help offered by a lot of departments and a lot of uh, companies like Gold Group to help the SMEs step up. But understanding what it is they're selling is very, very important. And to achieve that, uh, capital and support is needed. That capital uh, can be bolstered by those grant programs, uh, but resilience is a significant issue for an SME joining a global supply chain and trying to export, particularly to the US, but even to other countries. And that resilience uh, will include, you know, three to five years of work, potentially more. The CDIC is one of the, which is the Centre for Defence Capability, uh, Industry Capability, and the Defence Science and Technology Group, DSTG, offer support over and above what the federal and state governments offer for innovation and commercialisation. Defence has a global supply chain program, which now facilitates assistance to SMEs to gain access to their supply chains. After that, I would have to say the US has arguably the best protectionist framework in the world for defence technology in the international trade in arms regulations. And we take our SMEs through understanding that because it's quite obvious that at times the US uses that as an economic trudgeon as well as a a defence industry protection mechanism. And other nations are doing the same thing, including China or the UK or Australia. So it's not unusual. We throw around the words global supply chain frequently, you know, and I think back, let's say 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't speak like that. You know, it wasn't really global supply chain is the game. And, you know, the way the primes operated globally and the way they supported, you know, major, major vehicles or aircraft or ships was often done differently than it is today. And even the way maintenance was done in defense was significantly different. You know, we used to do up to third line maintenance, which is really deep level maintenance, ripping things right apart and rebuilding it. And that's changed. Now it's black box uh, swap outs for the most part. Uh, So it's changed. And if you're not familiar with defense, global supply chain probably doesn't resonate meaning. So I think first off, it's around understanding that R&D is occurring within pockets, let's say, in the U.S. or or throughout Europe. And from there, in those R&D cells, uh, there is someone that sparks that first major buy, which is generally the major powerhouses like the U.S. government. And they jointly help develop these products, you know, because there's so much R&D over decades that go into them. And then they go through a series of sales of which military groups that, you know, play nicely together get to take part in. And so you're allowed the opportunity to join this buying program, which is great because you get scale advantage from the primes perspective because the vehicles themselves are so expensive. They need to have scale so that the unit cost comes down to something manageable for all countries and they can still maintain their margins. You know, it's that same concept with all the parts that go into it. Just like Australia, every country says, hey, I don't mind spending taxpayer money buying your new plane but how do I build my own capability internally, both for sovereignty reasons in times of conflict, but also, you know, I need to build up a working base here because that's part of my tax revenue that keeps the whole thing spinning. And that's really important. Every country has the same perspective. So the primes now are trying to manage all these demands on purchases and all the parts that go on for the next, say, next 20 years and balancing the needs out against 
the prioritized level of who's buying what and who's buying how much. So that's where Australia then steps into the game. And we negotiate portions of, hey, we can make widget A, B, and C. But the scale within Australia is not quite big enough to sustain a business starting trying to develop. But hey, if I could also sell it to other countries that are part of that friendly buying group or environment, now I do get scale. So the business advantage that started with R&D in the primes and a local sponsoring government and spread globally works exactly in the other direction if you're part of the global supply chain. So the opportunity is quite significant. So first and foremost, the viable pathway for an SME to the defense global supply chain is through the defense primes. And I would just add one more thing to this is that there is more risk to Australian SMEs regarding export control and ITAR now. That's been driven by things outside Australia's control with the US stepping up its vigilance in ITAR. And we've seen much evidence of that in recent times, particularly in the emergence of Australian breaches, such as the Thornley businessman sentenced to jail and numerous university student-related breaches. The National Technology and Industrial Base, or NTIB, consists of people and organisations engaged in national security and dual research and related activities within the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom and Australia. The US element of the NTIB appears to be adding more risk to our SMEs as the US openly push and encourage US research on defence into Australia. So that's why it's become really, really important to bring up the knowledge level of our SMEs in export control and ITAR training and the seminar in Defence Ready. The Australian Defence Export Office, or the DEC Outreach, and the Defence Export Office plus our Defence Export Advocate, David Johnston, are very helpful in this regard. I would give them a pitch, in fact, that I recently undertook the DEC Pitch Program for exporters championed by David, and it was exceptional value in my view. I'd certainly recommend any SME to undertake that coaching. Something you touched on was that, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we weren't talking so much, Brett, about global supply chains. Bringing that same sort of idea domestically, how, have, how has the domestic defence landscape changed for SMEs in Australia over the same time frame, 10, 15 years? I would say, you know, if I think back to when I first got here in 2004, to what it's like today, over that period, there was always talk of Australian industry engagement. It was, you know, it's a theme that has been here for a long time. Over the first, let's say, stretch of 10 years from 2004 to 2014, it was an undercurrent. So you didn't, you didn't see it as a huge strategic leverage point that was talked about a lot by the primes. It was talked a lot by the subprimes or the SMEs, even when we were growing our SME. It was something we tried to play on, but we didn't get much play time with it. I wouldn't say we really got any win probability leverage out of it. For the next period, it became a lot more front and center, but it came a lot more front and center without any teeth. There was a lot of skepticism and the skepticism was more along the lines of, yeah, we see the roadshows that are going on from the primes. In many ways, we see the papers that have been published around AIC and the guidance And then we see the groups that are joining in on these bids and using them to win bids. And then we're also seeing the lack of follow through. And I would say within the last year, I've seen a much different push towards putting some teeth behind the whole AIC concept 
and really pushing hard. And I think a lot of that is down to, you know, the comments that Minister Price has made, the support she's given for the Defence Readiness Series. And, you know, just speaking with a few other individuals, I know there's action on that front and even, even through CDIC as well. So, you know, directly answering your question, I've seen it change a lot. It's a new landscape now, and I'm really hopeful that it's going to, we're going to see some follow through. Another question I have is often when you're talking to SMEs, particularly those that aren't already involved in defense, so they've thought, you know, we have a product or a service here that's relevant, uh, but they haven't yet engaged in the industry, is that defense can be slow. The sector can be slow. Um, Return on investment can be slow. How do SMEs manage that? Yes. Well, one of the, it's a very, very good question. I think that has been potentially the, the the biggest issue that an SME has in taking the journey towards entering the global supply chain. And it's called discretionary expenditure. An SME's discretionary expenditure will be going towards ensuring he can pay his bills towards the next day, his or hers bills, uh, or the next week or the next month. There's very little discretionary expenditure to put into investing into growing the company the right way but also into growing the capability of the unique selling proposition in a way that it can be described and supported to a prime or a global supply chain opportunity. So the best steps that are available now, in my humble view, are to ensure that you either gain assistance to understand or you take the time to understand how to gain government assistance to help you on your journey. And there are a number of assistance programs we've talked about. And not all of them are easy to get gain access to. Very few are. We're, we're spending taxpayers' money here. But there is certainly um, a level of assistance for uh, SMEs that was hasn't been available since World War II. So that, to my mind, would be the best piece of advice that I would give an SME starting out. But the second piece of advice that I'd give an SME starting out is you can't work in the global supply chain until you're good in your own backyard. You don't be seduced into thinking you can succeed without having a unique capability and being able to sell that capability in your own backyard. Having said that, of course, if you've got a great piece of, if you've got the next piece of post-it note technology, um, somebody's going to reach in and and help you along the way. And every prime that gets an SME involved in a global supply chain is going to be looking for those post-it notes and see if your technology is going to help them bolster their part of the global supply chain as well. So people will get interested if you've got a great idea. But if if you're finding it difficult, to get your great ideas traction, then there are channels you can use and companies like Gold Group or others can help you to find them. Defense is an ecosystem. So it's a it's a little bit misleading when we say things like it takes a long time. It takes a long time for certain areas of businesses trying to extract revenue around, let's say, supply chains around major acquisition programs because major acquisition programs take a long time. So it's probably aligned. The thing to remember with defense is there are some very quick pathways to revenue and profitability. Estate and infrastructure group, one of six groups that are really good client sources for SMEs trying to get into defense, spends billions keeping up and maintaining all of our RAF infrastructure or our, so our ADF infrastructure. 
And so you may say you're a construction company. You're just, you're going out on tenders. You, you go to, you know, the, you get on panels, you see stuff come up. It's happening within your fiscal year. That's not a long time. That's normal. And there is lots of money being spent. Uh, and so once you're accepted inside those supply networks, that's terrific. If you're in professional services, of which there are lots of businesses, including Goal, the opportunities have a turnaround time in terms of months, weeks, sometimes, sometimes days. You know, that's incredibly quick, much quicker than it is in a non-defense marketplace. But if you're playing down the innovation road, if you're a manufacturer that says, hey, I want to break into a supply chain, well, then your value proposition has to resonate. The things that resonate with primes who already have supply chains established. Disrupting a supply chain costs money. So for them to disrupt, and sometimes they don't even have power to disrupt. You know, if you have a major, uh, you know, if you have Pratt Whitney or a major business supporting you inside your supply chain, they're not that willing to introduce someone from Australia into, you know, their parts list. They're just not. It is risk to them and it is costly. So you better be faster, stronger, lighter, more capable, cheaper. These are the words that resonate in value proposition. What does not resonate is I can also do it. Yeah, thanks for that. In a global world, lots of people can do it. And that is the difference. And, uh, and, and this is, you know, when I sit down and I speak with the BAEs and the Lockheed Martins and, and the Boeings, that is sort of the impression that, you know, they get presented with often. And this is one of the challenges around AIC. You know, if an SME believes that's their ticket, they are wrong. They have to come with value propositions that resonate because it is a hard road for a prime to A, dislodge an incumbent, because if it's a, an incumbent in another country, they have their own IC rules, you know, followed up by whatever country it is, Canadian, you know, uh, industry content or what have you, or U.S. industry content. So uh, I think that's the real lesson here. Sometimes it's short, but sometimes it's long. Um, have a diversified strategy if you're on the long pathway you know, don't throw all your eggs in the basket. Those are normal business rules, though. Well, thanks, gentlemen. We could go on for ages on this. You've got a lot of inf- information and knowledge that uh, I'm really enjoying hearing. But uh, so clearly, good basis for presenting your uh, seminars. And uh, the obviously, the uh, export grant um, area is very important. But the whole series sounds really good. One question I've got to ask just on, on the way out is, I'm an SME. I want to sign up. It's all sounding great. How much is it going to cost to send my people to your seminars? The Defence Ready Seminar Series that is being sponsored with um, Hunter Defence, Aiden, and the CDIC is fully sponsored by the federal government. So they are hotly contested. There's 40 companies will get positions on each of those seminars. And they are hotly contested and they will be prioritised to ensure that there's the biggest bang for buck. We are already uh, uh, receiving significant registrations. So we're looking at alternatives to maximise the uptake. And we're we're going to be in discussions with the Commonwealth about that. But we're also, uh, we offer those seminars commercially as well. And there is a commercial fee per delegate for those who can't get on um, the this fully subsidised course. It's very um, tempting for uh, an SME, obviously, to say, well, I'm going to wait for the next one because I can't afford it. Hark back to my uh, comment on discretionary funding. 
Well, that just adds another 12 months to their program uh, for getting uh, involved. So it, it's a decision that each SME is going to have to make in terms of uh, what uplifting they need, what assistance they need, and whether it's cost-effective for them. But what I could say to you is that in our examination of the commercial pricing for these positions, um, they are exceptionally competitive compared to um, globally comparable areas. But only time will tell. Uh, we're certainly experiencing that now in terms of the uptake we're getting uh, for Defence Ready for the government-sponsored subsidised training. So we'll see how the uptake goes for the commercial courses. So watch this space. All I would add to sort of that that demand side of on the program is, um, you know, there's over 140 businesses just from the Hunter region and local area that have applied for the Defence Ready series, of which we've had to select down to 40, uh, which means there is a huge waiting. I know that's and that you know this isn't even nationally yet. There's a massive hunger out there for this training. So uh, we'll be working with CDIC to look for other ways of, of bringing funded and paid courses. You know, if I was a business and, you know, time is time is everything in business and I want to accelerate and I want to talk about maybe tailoring a program specifically for my business, you know, just give us a call and we'll work something out. And uh, we'll make sure that your uh, URL and uh, phone number is in the show notes. Yes, and um, there are a couple of avenues that you can register. You can register on the Hunter Defence uh, website. Uh, you can register on the Gold Group website. I believe that it's quite intuitive to find uh, Defence Ready uh, on both those sites and to register your interest. So we encourage everybody to register their interest, irrespective of uh, the prioritisation of the first program because uh, the more people who are registered, obviously the more pressure we can place on uh, organisations that might be wanting to take advantage of this tr- training to upskill the SMEs in defence. I might mention the Australian government there. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been a great discussion. Uh, great to hear what you're doing with the seminars, but also some really good insights into uh, joining the uh, export world for Australian SMEs wanting to get into defence and into exporting in the defence world. So once again, Alan and Brett, thank you so much for coming on the show. Ewan, thanks for joining me here. And uh, thanks also to the audience for joining us for this episode. The ADM podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yeffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.